Ching. Howard! Come on. Give me a shot. Rock. This is how I work. We bought. Oh. Uncut. Garnett, 2008 World Champion in Boston Celtic. We bought a Sandler Sons? We. What's the guy say? Hello, and welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast we're talking was that a boston accent or new york accent something it was a thing it sounded offensive to somebody we're talking uncut gems with a fun mix of healthy banter careful critical analysis i'm ernest caldron i am fresh off a time at the casino and i will be periodically looking through your windows to make sure that no cars pull up i'm here hunter mobley i'm true I just watched this today. So you're exhausted. Yeah, it was a whole day. <laughs> it really was. Like, I, I left the theater and I was, like, looking behind my back, like, hey, who's that? Who are you? <laughs> what are you doing? Get out of here. <laughs> Howard! <laughs> Let me in, Howard! Yeah. Woo! All right. Uncut Gems, written by the Safty brothers, Josh and Benny, and Ronald Bronstein who also collaborated with them on their uh, 2017 film, Good Time. With, it, he's uh, worked Bobby on, a, he's worked on, he was in their first, um, their like short film debut, uh, Daddy Long Legs. Yeah, so I. And Heaven Knows What he's worked on. So he's worked with them for pretty much everything that they've done. I thought that Good Time was the Safdie Brothers directorial debut. But it turns out that it's kind of like their third or fourth movie. It was just like their first big movie. Mm-hmm. Their first um, time with like a real studio. Yeah. A24, Uncut Gems, also A24. And it stars the Sandman, Adam Sandler. That's the big get here. And that's the reason why this movie is probably, I think it is slated to be A24's like best performing movie. Um, that mm. record might be held by Lady Bird. Lady Bird I has it right now. Yep, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, if... I'm pulling it up right now. It's up to uh, 20 mil domestic, and that's only been it's only been wide for a week, which yeah. is huge. Well, it yeah, had it's... it set a record for like the best per theater average, one of the best per theater averages of all time. It made like a hundred and seven thousand dollars per theater it's opening weekend that's sick it deserves it also got it got heavy uh ad time on uh espn Mm -hmm. i was home for the break watching a lot of espn and there were so many good time ads and it makes a lot of sense uh no 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 no, i just meant like good time to watch these uncut gems commercials um because uh you can just show a shot of kevin garnett and a shot of Mike Francesa, and like most of the audience does know who those two people are, so you don't even have to be like, KG's gonna be there, or whatever. You can just literally just show them, and they're like, oh, this is like a sports movie. Uh, the issue is uh, audience score, not great for this movie, because they think, they're think they thinking Sandler and sports, and mm-hmm. they're not thinking uh, safety. Right, <laughs> yeah. So... I will say, I think that like this movie was kind of like made in a lab for me specifically. Yeah, same. So, 
I do lots of sports gambling. Um, I love gambling in general, but specifically sports gambling. I love Adam Sandler. I've been an Adam Sandler defender for many, many years. Love good time. My favorite sports team are the Boston Celtics, and Kevin Garnett is one of the first people that like really made me like truly fall in love with oh, the wow. game because he's not a guy, he's not a Kobe Bryant who goes out there and scores 60 points every night. He's a guy who's just like... Every night I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get 25 points and 12 rebounds. Like, And he's just so consistent and always does things to help his team win. And that's kind of the person that I always gravitate towards whenever I watch basketball. Let me tell you, this movie did not disappoint. And anyway, I saw this movie. I was sweating, but I saw this movie in my Celtics hoodie <laughs> so that I could just sit there and like just be all in. Hell yeah. Um, in like a packed theater at mm. I had to go down to a theater close to the local university here at UCF. It was a packed, smelly theater. Um, and it was so worth it to see this movie there. Yeah. Um, let me read the IMBD DB plot synopsis. A charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score, makes a series of high stakes bets that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. Howard must perform a precarious high-wire act, balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. Mm. That pretty much sums it up. I mean, this movie, I found it exhilarating and really phenomenal when it comes to to how it it, it makes you kind of have a little bit of an adrenaline, adrenaline rush. Uh, throughout its runtime, it's not as relentless as I was expecting. Uh, it, There's more comedy in it than there are than times like good times. Yeah, it does kind of like slow down a little bit and, and let you breathe. But um, there's a moment early on where the uh, titular uncut gem is introduced, and Howard makes a decision of what to do with this uncut gem. And from that moment on, we're off. And the movie just runs with it. And you get the sense that every decision that this guy makes is going to be the his downfall. Like, it's going to be the one that ends his run. But what this movie does is he keeps winning. And he keeps winning. And eventually you start to convince yourself that nothing will go wrong for this guy and that's what makes the energy of this movie work so well and to me this felt like a type of movie that doesn't really get made anymore and i i feel like i say that a lot with indie movies like this especially of the the a24 family um but i don't know i feel like in the 90s you know uh and 80s and whatnot we used to get like thrillers like this a lot that were just kind of like zeroed in with very uh, narrow lenses and yeah. close uh, framing and handheld camera and just putting you on the back of this character, strapping you to this eccentric character. Yeah. Closer to like Michael Mann style. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Collateral is, is a good example of that's that. Kinda, that's 04. Exactly. But that's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 15 years ago. So this felt like a very old school type of movie. But the thing about the Safdie brothers is that they're not trying to make 
an old school movie. I mean, I, this technically is a period piece. It's set in 2012. Yeah. But the what the Safties are doing with this movie is it doesn't feel retro at all. It feels very current. It feels very forward facing. And their style combined with the music from One of Tricks Point Never and the cinematography um, from I'm not sure who shot it. But the, the the cast, I'm not even familiar with the who's who of, like, that guys and New York weirdos and character <laughs> actors that are in this movie. But we got Adam Sandler. We got, of course, Kevin Garnett. We got Idea Menzel. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. I would love to see yeah. pretty, in this Pretty role. giant year on her part. Lakeith Stanfield. Like, this movie just kind of, like, builds this very precise world in the Diamond District district of New York City and just makes for a very entertaining thrill ride. And it is very stressful and you are sort of on the edge of your seat, sort of clawing your 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 chair, wondering when the fuck it's going to end. But if you know the sort of thing you're going in for and you know you're going to see a movie that's very anxiety-ridden and sort of kind of insufferable but in in a good way then this is such a damn great effective fantastic movie i did want to shout out the cinematographer's name is darius kanji who's worked with people like pta david fincher with seven um woody allen he has worked um he worked on he shot all of too old to die young earlier this year he shot okja he shot Lost City of Z. So this guy has been, he's worked with like A-list a directors yeah, before. It looks, it, it looks so good. incredible. Yeah, it's, I mean, the whole movie is incredible. Like these, I knew it was going to be, it's like you said, Harley. Like it was, it was a, I was like, okay, there, if I don't like this movie, something <laughs> went horribly wrong. It probably in on my part. <laughs> like there's just no way that this could fail. And, uh, I think that Good Time might be a neater movie. Like, it might be tidier the way that it opens yeah. and closes itself up. But I do like Uncut Gems better. And it is largely because of the difference in between the character that we're following. Where Robert Pattinson is incredible in Good Time. But he is he's not balancing out being an awful guy with any level of uh, fun. He, like, it's fun to watch him squirm and struggle. Uh, but... Adam Sandler's character and his performance are so, like, y- the description calls it charismatic. It is not in look, but in uh, behavior. Like, he, the, you know guys like yeah, this. Yeah, this that are is just, a guy. Yeah, just guys that are a mile a fucking minute. They're always trying to get ahead of, like, what you're thinking. They're always trying to make the next move. They're, they're never thinking in the present. They're always in the future. But it is kind of in look, too, because it is Adam Sandler. Like, he is transformative as Howard. Yeah. Like, you believe that he's this character. But it's still Adam Sandler that we're looking at. And going in with that notion. Yeah, you want to root for him. Exactly. Um, and even when you do know pretty early on that he sucks and he's, like, not a great guy, you, you just find yourself wanting him to, to figure it all out and win, even though... Having seen Good Time, I had a feeling it wasn't going to uh, pan out for him, per se. Uh, This movie has twists and turns throughout that just keep you going. And uh, like you said, the the addition of humor, which again is a Sandler, you can attribute that partially to him and partially to the writing of the character. Because he was not initially who was uh, 
going to start in this movie. So there were several names attached to it, uh, but that adds. I can't put a number on what what the presence of this character adds to a movie. I want this guy to star in Titanic. <laughs> I want this guy to star in Cats. So I just I just went to New York a couple weeks ago, and I went by the Diamond District, and I saw people that literally were like Adam Sandler's character that were just like going around that just had his look. And like I heard somebody said that this is the most Jewish movie of all time, and I think that they're right in that way, like that it is just there's a moment it's even in the trailers where um because this whole movie centers around a diamond coming from ethiopia where there's a tribe of black jews and like this whole movie just has this like blend of like the ethiopian tribe of african-american culture and jewish culture kind of coming together in this beautiful pool wherever it comes to like the diamond district and then sports gambling and Everything else that's happening on I, there's just so many things about this movie that it is electric, like to say the least. I know, I've been doing all kinds of research with the Safties, doing interviews that they've read, podcast interviews that they've done, podcasts and everything else. One thing that's most interesting is that the whenever they took this movie into post production, they had, I believe it was 40 to 60 pages of ADR. Oh, that's right. That they, du- yeah. that they talk over because whenever you're in these rooms, there's five conversations happening at once and it feels real and it feels like an anxiety attack is yeah. building in there. You it's don't know, extremely your hectic. ears don't even know where to fully listen to at any given moment. Normally movies have like, two to three pages of ADR. So the fact that they had like pretty much an entire script in itself of just people just talking back and forth well, usually, that they dubbed over things. Usually ADR is just to fix things. Yeah. It's not to add new characters and new uh, bits of, of dialogue. Yeah, but I mean, they had like a whole thing like where KG comes into the diamond shop for the first time and like there's this crew is just in there with them. And there's like, guys, just talk. Like, just talk to each other. Like, talk at, like, full volume. Like, you're just having a conversation in this room. And they just have people yeah. do that with each other. And because scenes... that's realistic. It, one thing that they say is that they hate whenever they watch movies where it's a private conversation in a public place. And, like, everyone goes quiet around them. Because that's not how real life is. Real life, there is... You have to train your ears to listen to the person who's talking to you. Even mm. though there's all these other noises and things happening yeah. around you. It feels very New York. It, it adds a lot to... I mean, really, this movie is uh, a better distillation of what I know about the Safdie brothers put into film. Because uh, they are Jewish. They are New Yorkers. They're massive fans of basketball. You would assume they're also massive fans of basketball gambling. Uh, like this is this is a world that they have things to say about that they have like been more or less a part of. Um, and they're also funny guys. Mm-hmm. Like they are like in interviews, they have the vibe of like they had the the Tarantino vibe to them, but without being manic. Uh, but they they do have the feeling of man. I bet these guys have a million movie ideas written oh, down. Yeah. Like they just seem like they're just exploding with ideas. So that's one thing that's been funny about. So this is basically like their passion project, and you can kind of feel that. But this was after they made their first short film, Daddy Long Legs, which won like the Sundance Award and it won some big awards. They reached out to Adam Sandler 
was who they originally reached out to for this part. And they pretty much just like, they didn't get a no. They just got like a no response from Adam Sandler. Yeah. So they went around, they started uh, making other projects and they were working with Sasha Baron Cohen, who was going to be in this role for a while. And then Sasha had some other stuff. It was going to be a completely different movie. Where well, apparently. It was going to be like almost like Borat's yeah. character. Um, like running around in real New York, which Sandler kind of did, apparently. There's like, some of that for sure. Yeah. But they, they do like they write around who's in the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely. That's another thing because they talk about how it was like almost a happy accident having Kevin Garnett in this movie. They originally were going to do New York Knicks player Amari Stoudemire, who is very notably a black Jewish person. Mm -hmm. And the movie they wrote was completely different. That didn't end up working out. They got reached by Kobe's people, and they were going to base it around Kobe Bryant. And they had like pretty much scrapped the script and then rewrote a new script for Kobe. Kobe's people came to them uh, as soon as they finished writing it, spending like weeks writing this new script. And they were like, yeah, uh, Kobe actually doesn't want to act anymore. He wants to direct. And they were like, okay, so fuck yeah, you, like, Kobe. Um, and then Kobe. they were going to make a contemporary piece with Joel Embiid, and it was going to be a much funnier movie, like much more lighthearted. Yeah. Because he's, and kind of link it up to, because Joel Embiid is, he's from Cameroon, I believe. So to link it back to like an African player feeling this connection with the jewel. Mm -hmm. But that ended up going the started shooting during the NBA season so they had to use somebody who was recently retired but it worked out so perfect because I think Kevin Garnett gives like one of the best athlete performances that I've ever seen in a movie maybe you, the best like it, well, it's at just, least on the Mount Rushmore like he's you can tell compelling. that they're just they're incredible directors because like you said like they just kind of let them talk like they it's very naturalistic you can tell that the atmosphere on set is like listen like just we're not going to do it the script to a T. Just like say, get the vibe right. Don't necessarily get the words right. And he did a great job. He did a really, really great job. Uh, I think it ended up being a great fit. Like I, I think he he pretty much nailed it. Uh, he also like the athlete isn't a huge part of the movie in terms of uh, speaking time. It's a huge part of the movie in terms of plot development. Mm -hmm. Like the whole movie revolves around trying to get to KG, but he's not in most of it. Yeah, which, and I will say. I'm not a big sports guy, and the movie gives you enough to understand. I was the wondering stakes. if the gambling, if did the gambling make sense to you? The parlays and everything. Not the not the specifics. Okay, but the but the movie does enough to make me care about what's at stake okay. with the gambling. I was curious because they're talking about all these parlays, like plus five hundred and everything. I didn't know if that made any sense to well, you. It, it doesn't have to make sense. You, if you, you understand know, the stakes. If you know what it means, then you know, like, oh, shit, this is some real shit. You're not going to be like, oh, fuck, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, if you know mm. what what the details are. But from someone in my perspective who doesn't, it didn't feel like it was too dense. And it didn't feel like I was kind of outside looking in. I mean, maybe a little bit. But yeah, to get into the flow of what is going on and the thrill of it, there's enough there for me to lock. Yeah, you to. can you can really easily get the stakes of what he's doing, even if you don't, because you like the language of betting like hundreds of thousands of dollars is universal. You yeah, don't have to exactly. know exactly what what you you know the sprinkling of of information that's fun to know is how uh, insane it is to bet like a, a six way parlay or yeah. whatever. You know the this the. the insanity of his bets and, and it's adds a lot to it's it. It's not just the size of the of the the amount of money and all of that. 
it's the urgency with how he does it. It's like the he gets very a big payday, second, and he's like, "How how can we make this even exactly?" It's like he doesn't even take a second to just appreciate the win. It's always to turn it into a bigger win. Like he is a straight up gambling addict. Yeah, yeah. It's he, and I it's so. I, another thing that I wanted to talk to you that I think that the Safties proved in good time as well is that they are just incredible at getting great performances from non-actors. Most notably Julia with Fox. Julia Fox. Yeah. Has never acted before in this movie as Julie. And she gets a lot of screen time in this movie and kind of kills it. But I think possibly like the MVP heat check of the movie is Keith William Richards, who plays a bodyguard person has never acted in his life and gave one of the most menacing performances that I've seen in a movie in years. <laughs> like I was so sold that like, as soon as I saw he was a non-actor, I was like, Oh cool. So he actually is like a hit guy. <laughs> like he, this is just a New York dude so, that they found. Well, was he the guy that they literally met the day before? Or is that a different, there was a guy that they met the day before shooting and, and oh my yeah, God. one of the safeties so, was literally at a casino at like 3 a.m. <laughs> And he met this guy, and he was like, "Be in my movie tomorrow. It's fine. It'll be fine." No, so there's a couple guys. There's a guy named Wayne Diamond who <laughs> comes up later in the movie. His character name is Handsome Older Man. He's the orange, the spray tan dude, nice. who is also a non actor. He's like actually like a millionaire who made money off of gambling, and now he like he retired from whatever he was doing to make lots of money to try and be an actor. And like, this oh is the first movie God. that he's actually been in. It's That's almost like, so funny. it's almost a joke part, but he's great in it. Like, yeah. there's just, yeah, it's he a owns it. fucking part. I, I will say if, if I had to pick nits, the stakes with the Eastern European guys coming after him, I thought were a little bit clunky and, and, and murky. I had a like better Eric Burgos's guy. I yeah, I had a better idea of what the stakes were with the basketball and the gambling than why these guys were after him. And we can get into spoilers if you guys want to kind of clear that up mm. for me. Uh, but that was kind of like one of the things I, I found a little shaky. And another nick nit that I would pick is um, going back to the good time comparison. I. I think I might like Good Time a little bit more than this movie because Adam Sandler's charisma is a double-edged sword because it does make the movie more enjoyable to have a guy like this in the lead, but it also makes it so the movie is like tricking me into rooting for an awful person. Pattinson is a lot better at just straight up inhabiting this bad yeah he's, he's the other kind of charismatic where he just like looks hot but he is cold yeah like, you i was don't, you I, don't ever root for robert pat like i, I believe, was cheering for adam sandler right. despite the fact that he's a terrible human being i believe that pattinson is a scumbag in good time i i'm never duped i'm always like aware that i'm seeing a horrible person on screen but in this movie in uncut gems there are moments where i I had to like remind myself, like, oh yeah, Howard is like an awful person. Yeah. I got like wrapped I'm up in it. I'm surprised that you had to remind yourself about that because he has he's married to Adina Min fucking Zell, and he's still cheating on her with like some other like girl that he has an apartment with in the right. city and everything. Like, no point is Howard in the right here in anything that happens in this movie. The scene between 
Sandler and, and Menzel when she's wearing that dress. I thought that was one of the best scenes in the it's movie. Great. Where yeah. she basically tells him straight up, like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're the most annoying person. All the Passover shit was awesome. Yeah. Because that's when you learn all of the family dynamics. Well, also, so I love, there's a dynamic. To know. There's a dynamic that happens with the son because, you know, son is really looking up to his father and the son is like making bets on the games like and he's like yeah i put i made 50 dollars <laughs> off of this game your dad's like yeah i have like uh like two million dollars writing on this game right now <laughs> like it's it's wild yeah. but like you can see the building of another howard and his son right like and it shows kind of how gambling addiction is like any other addiction where a lot of times it's inherited and it just keeps building. It starts as just you get that one little taste of something, and then you just keep doing yeah. this. Every also, time. his son effortlessly uh, tells a lie Sidebar, to go to the bathroom. We are starting oh. a Patreon because I did gamble my house away after seeing this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, dude, I'm really strapped right now. I'm so sorry. I I, I will say we can use this uh, as a transition before we go into um, before we go into spoilers. Uh, I don't know if I can recommend this movie to everybody. I would recommend it if you know what you're getting yeah, into. Yeah, just know it's stressful time. Like, I wouldn't take your grandma with a heart condition to right. go see this over the holidays. Right. Um, Don't expect, but, like, a fun, jolly time. Expect, like, a little bit of an anxiety. Unless you're kind of a person like me and it was a fun, jolly time. So, I guess I'll, I'll use this as a transit. So, spoilers after this. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Right now go check this movie out. It's fucking incredible. It's Hell a thrill yeah. ride. After seeing this movie, I was feeling the Howard Ratnerism, and uh, I I went out, and there were some basketball games that were on. Oh no! And I made a nine-team parlay. God, Hunter. And it was actually a multi-sport parlay. I put down in part of the parlay, I bet on like an Australian basketball game. <laughs> Didn't know who was playing, but I just wanted to get the odds a little bit higher. This is addiction. It so, paid out. Hold on. Explain the parlay because that's very. Okay. Uh, it's when a series of bets all A series of bets, right. if they all go yeah. right. In a specific order. No, well, there doesn't have to be in a specific order, but it's. I mean, I think there are some weird parlays that you can do like that, but parlay basically means like you'll be like, like how there's a moment in the movie where. Adam Sandler says, all right, I'm going to take the line. So it'll be like Celtics are favored by three. I'm going to take the line, meaning the Celtics have to win by over three points. Parlayed with Kevin Garnett getting 17 points or more. Parlayed with him getting 10 10 or more rebounds. All three of those have to hit in order for you to make your money. But if you put those bets together, you can get a higher payout than if you bet them anyways. It's pretty much, yeah, they're all multiplied together, those odds. Because your odds go astronomically lower the more things you add. So I I was Hunter. (laughs) So I I made a large parlay. It ended up paying out, I believe the odds were, I can actually pull up what they were. They were <laughs> 25 to 1 odds. Mm. You know, that's not horrible. 25 to 1 odds. Guess what? Your boy hit it. You hit a 25 to 1. I hit a 25 to 1 odds. Mm. I just put down like I five bucks on it, walked home with $75 after that. Yo. I'm Dude, you, you should go. put it all back into another bet. And then I real and then I did. I put it all back in on another bet. 
And then I went up to some guys that were just kind of standing out there. I was like, come on, man. I got like, it's guaranteed. Like, I know the algorithm here. Yeah, and you how gave them your games. watch. Um, <laughs> and since that happened, I couldn't pay them back. So they shot me in the face. Cool. <laughs> Despite that, the fact oh, that I hit the bed. That's why he... Yeah, okay. I didn't want to say That's anything. why you um, have a giant hole in your face. Yeah, so that's why I um, am talking I was wondering this right whole time. Well, this, all this little peppering of like specific info, it, it does make it more entertaining. It, it makes you realize the severity of Howard's illness. To get the 165K and, then, well, and then put it on a parlay that includes the tip-off <laughs> is yeah. nuts. No, that's, that is like the most... Because that's pretty much like even odds because that can literally happen either way like it's a 50, 50, it's almost 50, a coin yeah. flip i mean if you have like a taller dude who's better at jumping then i guess yeah, but it's still higher. but you don't know still, the lineup maybe 75 percent. maybe the ball gets thrown a little in the wrong direction <laughs> like li that's how like when he said tip off i was like howard howie <laughs> yeah howie baby i really thought that he was just gonna blow it on the tip off right yeah, there and then they're just like just, get his just gonna die right then the, the whole sequence of these guys being locked in the glass vestibule thing and him watching the game with them locked in there. One of the best sequences of the year, like yeah. just masterfully done. Like these guys are literally imprisoned to Howard's will. Like he will not let them go and he will, will force them to watch as he makes his win. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's fucking incredible. It's, yeah, it is. And of course, you don't keep fucking Russian mobsters locked away for a 90-minute game well, and expect to not get shot in the face when you let them out. Here's so that's the thing is that I actually... <laughs> That was whenever that happened and they won the game, I actually had a moment where I was like... He fucking did it. Yeah, me too. Like you're like, I was like, oh, he's gonna he live fucking, happily. And he ever is like, after. let's go. I was like, let's go, boys. We're rich. And they just get shot in the face. Yeah. Well, the, you, you've and you, my jaw fucking dropped to the floor. You like, felt the same as Eric Bogosian did because he actually was very impressed. Like when they got let out, he was like, you fucking did it, Howard. Because really, Eric Bogosian is just his fucking brother-in-law who like begrudgingly does have to respect Howard because Howard is the cool guy in the family, and right. Eric is the fucking weirdo. Uh, and he hired these dudes to like, ex you know, get his money back from Howard. He did not want to like kill the man. Uh, but that's what happens when you fucking play with fire, Howie, you fucking, you know, he deserved to die. Like yeah. he put everything on the line. He could have killed his entire family in the process. Like he wasn't going to live. Well, And here's the other thing. In any is just world. There is still kind of that possibility that he would have hit a million dollar bet and then said, Let's well, a, let's let's see what more. the line is for the next. Yeah, series yeah. This up. isn't a guy that's going to move to the beach, <laughs> like yeah. after this win. That's not the end of the movie. It's him like living in Cabo with his new woman. I, a couple, that's insane. A couple of other notes that I love how there was also like those people weren't the only people chasing after Howard for money. There was just those like balding dudes that yeah, were also on the diamond. Those two district. little Jewish. Yeah, there's little Jewish dudes that like. <laughs> and then he's just like, "Here's a watch. It's worth thirty grand. That'll hold you over." And there's like, <laughs> it's um, fake. This is fake. Yeah. Uh, Howie, that, can you give us our a, money. That was a great joke where the guy brought a guy who looks just like him. He's like, "Oh, what is this? Your muscle?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, it is. Yes, my muscle." I. <laughs> like there's so many moments like oh i also i really love the uh the club scene with the weekend yeah i thought that that was great uh the weekend playing the 2012 version of himself because the weekend 
especially like whenever he first came out of the scene, he was a fucking dick. Like he had, he, a, was, he had a dick for sure. He made her touch it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, like he was like so fucking full of himself because he's like, yeah, I am that dude. Like I'm about to blow up. I'm going to be the biggest thing in the world. And he was right. The best but, thing about that scene was Lakeith's uh, hoodie. The orange We haven't hoodie. even talked about Lakeith. Lakeith is great in this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, I love to see Lakeith. He's awesome. He His role is pretty different than all the other stuff he's done. You know, because in Atlanta, Look at this compared to Knives Out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In Atlanta, he plays like this sort of like very cerebral guy, just kind of like very aloof and out there. And in this, he's just like very matter of fact and grounded. Yeah, he's just, like, making the moves. Yeah, he's like a, basically a liaison that connects uh, buyers to the seller of Howard. Yeah. Um, and the scene where they have that fight. That's an example of the the sound design really carrying the tension of it because you can tell that it's kind of cacophonous in that office and in that whole showroom. Um, and it just kind of builds and builds and builds and, and you can tell that some shit's about to, to, to go down. It ends up just being the poor little fishies that get uh Yeah, no, but in that moment, syrup. that was like one of the best sound like this movie has to be nominated for some sound editing awards. Like I would I don't understand if this movie isn't nominated for sound editing. And the winner because, is Joker. Yeah, no, because it's like this is masterfully done that this is a cohesive scene and there's this much happening and the phone is constantly ringing like that he just keeps and people are yelling stuff from the showroom at him and the fact that you were just sitting there in this stress mm. is incredible a little side thing about lakeith is that i love the career choices that he's making it yeah. right now i mean he's now worked with donald glover with boots riley and sorry to bother right. you with ryan johnson and knives out this year like he is making like good job by him he's just going to great yeah he's making directors. good calls we i mean i could talk for a long time about one otrix point never I think that it's score. I think it's the best score of the year. Yeah, it's just it just simp it's like you said this could be a, a a throwback feel of a movie and the score makes it so it, it could never ever be so perceived. unique. Yeah, it it's insane the um the moments that he chose to uh like bring his music to the forefront. Obviously, he wasn't like the primary sound mixer, but he scored certain moments that were completely inconsequential, you would seem, but the music swells so hard that your heart is pounding. Like when he's uh when Howard is walking the recycling uh, back to the house, like the music got so loud in that moment yeah. and it was so pulsating um because of just the feeling, not because of the events. And what? that's that's I think that's his biggest strength as a composer because as a musician like just his separate music his solo music uh it already like we already know that he's the future he like he makes singular shit that is like otherworldly yeah but literally he, it sounds like space yeah sci-fi shit but it's he like, is scoring yeah, he scores for uh feeling rather than for what's happening and that is a distinction that a lot of uh even like really good scores don't always do and like, I couldn't, like, I can't believe that this is, you know, one of his first films that he scored. Yeah, I mean. Well, he did good time. Yeah, too. of course. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't done, like, you would, it's, this is the confidence of a guy who's done, like, 30 years of scoring. Right. You're to, right, To though, have the balls to do what he's done. You're right, though, that about for, for, like, composing for feeling. Because, I mean, like you said, like, it's an inconsequential scene of him pushing in the recycling. But it's all dark. And you can't even see what's behind Howard in that moment. And that could very and much the be the music swells. Where, yeah. So you are still sitting there, like, 
fists clenched thinking like is somebody just going to show up at his house right yeah, now? Yeah, because he like, very easily could just get shot that very moment. Like, yeah. and that's got to be what's going through his head, too. So that's why it scored that. Well, like, it's brilliant whole, shit. The, the whole movie, you're kind of on the edge of your seat. Like, you're on your toes. You're thinking, like, when when is it going to all end for this guy? Yeah. You know? And the moment I was alluding to earlier was when he has the rock and he gives it to KG. Like, the way they made that rock look i don't know if that's based on a real thing but the color of of the actual gems and and the opal and the way kg reacts to it is so effective yeah, i got it and the opal has yeah 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 and he like sees like his entire childhood inside of yeah, it yeah that fucking montage <laughs> yeah my god also great face acting i think one of my favorite parts in the movie is the very beginning where we just open in the Ethiopian mines and we're just like, oh shit, we're doing this. Like, boom, right from the jump. Just so clever to start it there. And then and the colonoscopy. <laughs> well, that's what I was getting to. It's like, from the jump, the Safdies are very precise with what they're trying to do. By starting it there, you're thinking, oh my God, this is going to be like some Indiana Jones shit right here. Like, this is going to get archaeological and and uh, uh spiritual or whatever it's 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 going to transcend and we descend we enter the gem which is m- one of my favorite things i've seen this year is the inside of this gem honestly the visually sequence. stunning mm-hmm. yeah just so colorful uh um uh, it yeah. looks like you're like going through the cosmos, like while you're. It's looking surrealist. At this yeah, it's it's amazing. Then yeah, we transition very seamlessly. Yeah. into Her- uh, Howard's bowels, <laughs> <laughs> and we keep zooming out of his ass, and that's the Safties kind of immediately letting us know, like, hold on a second, yeah. this is not as deep as you think. No, well, and also so- to me, it meant like this. It had a, a quite the tone of like this natural pure beauty is uh, ultimately going to be in the hands of a disgusting person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's You're ultimately right. just going to be in the hands of the worst guy. Yeah, I mean, there is like there's multiple readings of just that whole sequence that, but that does lead to I think like the moment of the movie is the moment with KG and Howard talking towards the second half. And there's like he where KG like asked him like, how much did you buy this for? Yeah. And he tells him he bought it for like 25 grand or something like it's that. It's a hundred grand, or but hun- you do get the feel that he's grand. probably lying even about that. Yeah. But like he said, he paid a hundred grand for it and they're like, Oh, so you're going to sell it for $175. Like what black people like worked for. You're going to do this. And he gives this whole like monologue. He's just like, you know, like what am I doing? That's any different than you going out there and trying to score points to like boost your yeah, name. Because like, KG is a notorious is, like he will shove it down your throat all game. He's like yeah. an asshole. Of yeah, a no, like and it is. It's kind of like this whole monologue stating for what capitalism is. This is how I win. like. This is how I win, and that sums up the entire movie. That he's just like, look, like. I am also from like a Jewish family and I have also had to deal with a bunch of stuff. Maybe not as bad in like this country as like the black heritage, but like I have had to go through all this kind of stuff and this is me winning and this is me taking back something for myself and doing what I can do for myself. Yeah, the the it's, movie the movie does a good job at uh in a way sort of like 
pinning these these two ra- racial uh, ethnic groups uh, not against each other, but sort of in in some way at odds the the, the Jewish Americans and that and the African Americans in in a similar strive for uh not money but like it's winnings. reclamation like yeah it's, like some yeah. sort of like hustle. they have they both both are groups that come from nothing so they have to hustle and the just like trauma is inherited like the the need to hustle for money is inherited like yeah. you're you're likely to get because you get the vibe that howard didn't come from much his wife definitely did mm. obviously her her parents are very very rich um but yeah it's it's the fact that like once you were in on the hustle and if you play the game too much and you do not get out like Howard, it consumes you. You're possessed. Did you guys see on Twitter uh, the little the little squabble the Safties had because someone posted screenshots of the movie. Oh, yeah. They were like, hey, uh, at Safties, like, why do Howard's eyes literally shrink yeah. when he says he's about to fucking come when he looks at the opal? Which is like if you, one if of the you, best moments. Yeah, because, well, and then luckily I saw it after I saw those screenshots. His eyes get so small. Like, they CG his eyes to be tiny. <laughs> In that one come. moment when he says, I'm going to fucking come, they're, they're like beady <laughs> little eyes. And, um... The Safdie's reply just said "possessed," just one word. Yeah. He, he's been possessed by the need yeah, for this he's shit. Staring into yeah. the opal, and then the Safdie's were like, "How did you get screenshots?" <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the guy just responded with like funny uh, gifts from the movie yeah. that he ripped from his rip of the movie that he clearly has. Um, really incredible shit. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it's about. It's similar to like the succession thing. It's just about how like playing this game for too long is just inherently like rots your brain and it is also like if you view it from the lens of them ended in, ending up using a retired player it shows both sides of that in that howard is somebody who didn't quit whenever he should have and kg he left the game at a good point he could have kept playing and like kind of like yeah. gone out on a horrible injury or just like become a shell of himself but he he still quit whenever he was still at the that's, top of that's game. why kobe would have been fitting. uh kobe well kobe <laughs> it definitely would have played for whenever they pull up his lines and they're like look they think that you're not going to score more than 25 <laughs> tonight yeah could have been like oh shit i might go out there and put up yeah 60. exactly like kobe like, is the most competitive so asshole I, in the world but kobe would have made it too much about himself where kg is almost I heard somebody say that it almost feels like KG is always ready to leave the room in every scene <laughs> that he's in, and that yeah, kind of like, adds right, bro, I gotta to go. it. <laughs> that like he is the perfect guy who's like a heat check guy who's just in there. Like you get just enough of him that you're like, this is perfect. I don't want any more or any less of this. So the games that we see in the movie These are real are, games are real games. Yeah, that's that is the 2012 Eastern Conference uh, the semis. So they. The Safties wrote the movie around those games and the bets, which are games that they obviously know very well. Right. Well, so this is why it goes into that whole thing about how they kept having to rewrite the script based on what athletes they could get involved. Because whenever Kobe came in, they were like, this sucks because we have to have like it. It has to be an East Coast person to do this because like Kobe plays games in L.A. Like, so they had to write it. That script, it was just based around one game. It was around a game where Kobe scored 60 points in Madison Square Garden. And they like rewrote the script all for that. And then, of course, Kobe was like, no, nah, I'm directing now. I'm going to direct an Oscar-winning short. Um, so they're like, okay. Is KG cool going to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor? No. <laughs> he won't, but he was one of my favorite like supporting characters in a movie this year. Like He, gets, he does like just enough in the screen time. The more thing is... 
Is Adam Sandler going to get nominated? Is this Sandler's Apex Mountain? Not, this, not career-wise, but performance-wise. I think this might be like the best performance that Sandler's ever I given. I don't know. I don't know if this, how's this gonna be like Punch Drunk Love? I don't or know if like it that. beats Punch Drunk Love for me, but it's certainly like way different, and it shows a ton of range. Well, it feels very Sandler. Like this, like this is still bringing in so many things of like classic Sandler, like Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison level, like of kind of zaniness to it, but it's more of an adult version of that. Right. Howard Ratner is one of the most iconic characters I can think of. Yeah. Like, no, just genuinely, I will be saying that name for years. Yeah, I mean, think of, think about whenever we keep saying Howie, think about whenever we did like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and we're like, yeah, Leo and Brad Pitt and like, it, yeah. like they, Adam Sandler like fell into this role more than most other actors like yeah. even even whenever we did marriage story like i could say like yeah i guess adam driver ha- like gave the best performance but i think adam sandler gave my favorite performance of any movie this year yeah his his performance is like i literally like i said it's a priceless performance like i wouldn't i would rather them just not make the movie if they didn't get adam because this yeah. is just an adam sandler uh, I can't imagine this with Sasha Baron Cohen. It would have been so different. The, the of a thing movie. is, like, you got obviously. I still have faith that I know the Safties can make anything, like any performance work. They've done it. Like they've everything they do, it surprises you in that way. Um, Mike Francesa, who has no self awareness in real life, is a good Yo. actor somehow. That man is like really really corny on on sports I radio disagree, in New York. <laughs> I disagree Gary I disagree Gary yeah he that's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard yeah he's a <laughs> he's a classic New York sports radio guy that the guy who's like taking this parlay bet and uh they they just like him cuz they've listened to him their whole life they're like yeah be in a movie these guys to me are if we were to do a draft which you know segment idea for the future I I'm spoiling an idea I wrote down a draft of directors mm-hmm. if like if, and it's like director directors under 35 yeah saying no yeah let's say you get to sign a 30-year contract and if they're old and they die that's it you, you can score you, can draft you would score points based on hits not even no not even like we're not even keeping scores just a theoretical like who would you want to take they're they're top three yeah safties well, are really high i don't know there. if the safties are ever gonna make like a this might be the closest thing they make to like a financial hit Depending on what they do, yeah, it I, depends I on feel what like, they want to do. I feel like their career could really go anywhere. Like some take someone like Ari Aster, like he's always going to make like weird idiosyncratic horror movies, or Robert Eggers is always going to make like really precise period pieces. The Safdie is like they could do kind of anything, and it would always be this very specific tone that they're kind of carving out. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting in a way, like. But, I mean, then again, look at somebody like Damien Chazelle, who Damien Chazelle, his first two movies were very musically based. They have kind of this uh, this kind of a very similar feeling with Whiplash and La La Land. At least they are similar in some tonal things. First Man does take certain things that they brought in with tension and using yeah. that, but then put it in a different way. I think that they could do that. I know I was listening to an interview that they did um, – on a podcast and they were talking about how they really want to make a period piece. Cause like their thing was, I mean, this is technically a period piece, but 
movies are the closest thing that we have to time travel. Oh, yeah, on the fantasy interview. Yeah, on yeah. the Big Picture podcast. Um, I've yeah. been listening to so many podcasts with them. Well, that that's a great, that's a great but... interview because that idea um, is sort of uh, kind of unrecognized in a lot of movies. That that is the power of movies is to send us through time and space. And when a director like understands that and utilizes that in, in creative ways... To me, that's when movies are at their mm. best. Um, and it seems like the Safties, they they understand that. And, and, and you know, with, with theme, you're talking about Chazelle. His recurring theme is ambition and the cost mm. of ambition and, and the cost of greatness. The Safties, I think their, their recurring theme might just be like some sort of over ambition to us to a sense yeah, I, yeah. I i i don't know exactly how to put it because I'm, I'm trying to think about good time and the fact that it's Robert like a, Pattinson, we haven't like, seen the short films that they have made either oh Daddy right but and, at least just talking about good they've time. done they also have done like some more serious like they did a movie called uh heaven knows what which is a very serious movie about like the homeless population like drug use and stuff like that and they made a um they made a sports documentary Oh wow! Um, I need to pull up they're, the name of it so real quick. Um, I would. It's like a fight or flight thing. Yeah, like that's what they're. They're just. It's clearly, like pushing the boundary of, of how of what you can get away with. Yeah, and it's if you want to say that the message at the end of at least both of these movies is like you're you're gonna run out of time right. basically. But I don't think that's it. I think that they just know that it's really entertaining to see someone with their back against the wall. Yeah. For two hours. Like, right. that's just endlessly entertaining. It doesn't have to be a grand theme. It it can just be two guys who just want to make a really damn yeah, fun movie. Yeah, two guys movie. who fucking love... It, it's, that's why it, there are a lot of Tarantino vibes in there. Because the a lot of what I see in them is just... These are guys who love movies and want to make movies that people love. Yeah. And they know exactly how to do that. Like, they know the levers pull. The difference is, I don't think that they'll ever have the commercial viability of Tarantino. Yeah. And frankly, if Tarantino were to come around these days, I don't think that he would be commercially viable. Right. I don't yeah. think, like, you know, his movies wouldn't make waves like they did back then, right now, in the landscape we're in now. So I did want to shout out the, um, the documentary. I've been wanting to see it for a while. It's called Lenny Cook. It's based on a guy who was in the 2001, like, in 2001, he was the number one ranked high school basketball player ahead of people like LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony mm -hmm. and then a year later he was completely undrafted in the NBA it's about mm -hmm. like his pre like his fall from grace like in a year yeah, um, I it has I've heard that it has a lot of similarities to like think to like vibes of hoop dreams which yeah, is exactly. one of the best documentaries ever made so I would and like more than a game too I guess yeah more um, yeah. I would yeah I would watch these guys literally do anything they're entertaining people it's not these aren't filmmakers that when you listen to them, you're like, listen, like the movie's good, but you are in your own bud right now. Like sometimes I get that vibe with like James Gray, for example, just certain people when they're talking about their movies, it's like you're right and you did good. But also, I don't know if I want to hang out with you. These guys get it yeah. like full stop. They get the whole the scope of like being your your job now as a director you're also your own publicist they're on social media they're on twitter they're grinding nonstop. i these guys must both have that gene where you just like don't sleep 
Like they are insane levels of productivity. They, you know, they've said before there were like dozens and dozens of rewrites for this. They conceptualized this before they made good time. I think that they said there's 26 drafts of this movie. Yeah, like if That's they like insane. full drafts and that they rewrote this movie 26 different times. And they really wanted to make. It. And so yeah. yeah, and so it is a really interesting question where they go with their career from here because. If they made 20 movies that were all like a really bad person with their back against the wall, I would watch all of them and love all of them. Uh, and it's up to them if they want to branch out from there. As long as they keep going after the right talent and they keep casting the right actors in the right roles, you could keep doing this in so many different iterations. I think that now after this, I think that now after this, they almost are like blank check level. Especially I because, so. I mean, yeah. for A24, too, that there's A24 is going to be like, look, we'll give you like we can cap out at like 15 mil. Yeah. Just take this. Get whoever you want. I mean, Adam Sandler reached out to them finally on like their third call to them, reached out to him because he saw Good Time and yep. Robert Pattinson was so compelling. I th- Especially if Adam Sandler does get an even just a nomination for this movie. I think they're going to have all kinds of people. I, at their I doorstep. think he will, because I, I was just looking so. it up. Sandler has never been nominated for an Oscar like he he got nominated for a Golden Globe for Punch Drunk Love uh, but he didn't win and that's it like that he hasn't I mean if we look at his career obviously he had a absolutely insane 90s run yeah his 90s into early 2000s is like unbelievable yeah Billy Madison Happy Gilmore The Wedding Singer Mm -hmm. The uh, Water Boy, Big Daddy, all all of which are still fun to watch. Yeah, and then in the two thousands, um, he did Punch Drunk Love in two thousand two. Fifty first dates. Fifty first dates. Iconic, good, bad movie. Yeah, that was oh four. Um, and then he he did uh, fall off Eight a Crazy clip, of Nights, which I've watched. I used to watch like every holiday season on Comedy Central. I remember like, I remember loving Longest Yard, but I know it's not good. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> I, I don't want to revisit it because I have fond yeah. memories. Anger of it. management with uh, Jack. Yo, yeah, click is click that is was good. Oh three, click. click. Yeah, click. And then you know things start to really, really take a tumble. Jack with, and Jill. With you don't mess with the Zohan, um, grown ups. Jack and Jill. He is actually, I will say, uh, funny people, not a great movie, but he is great. In and that, that is, a g- I'd say that is a good movie. I think it's a good, yeah. I think the first like hour of that movie is yeah. exceptional. The next, and the, next the next four hours. hours. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's not what you want. Yeah. Um, good voice acting in the uh, Hotel, Hotel Transylvania yeah. movies. And then he did a bunch of Netflix garbage uh, that nobody liked. I mean, he apparently he tried to be serious in The Cobbler. Apparently, that is a serious movie. Uh, it's never. just a terrible no, movie. It, yeah, that one's that. an awful one. He really, a lot of his newer stuff, like the Grown Ups movies, uh, if they had come out in the 90s, a lot of people that say they hate them would love them. They're just from a different era. I, They're funny in the 90s. They're just not funny for when they came out. I mean, he is Things another changed. thing. Uh, another newer movie that he was in that he's great is Meyerowitz Stories in 2017, a bombback yeah, movie. He is great. In he that. is awesome in that that movie movie, like him and ben stiller playing off of each other is incredible i don't fault him for the choices that he's made because he is doing the smart thing he's like netflix like opened up the safe for me so i'm just gonna keep like Mm -hmm. every six months i'll shoot a movie in hawaii with all my friends yeah he has the coolest life in the world 
Like he <laughs> he's so fucking rich. Yeah. It, it is unbelievable. And people are like, oh, he's not concerned with Guess the artistic he's integrity also like, of his fucking everybody shit. Everybody in movies. Hollywood loves him. That's another thing that he has going for yeah, him. Yeah, universally Oscars, beloved. Every like nobody says bad things about Adam Sandler. Yeah, the only thing is the Academy could be snooty about it if they wanted to. But the biggest well, but, part of the Academy is actors. But this year that category is ridiculously stacked. That is the problem. Joaquin, De Niro, Banderas. Leo, Banderas. Like, he might be lucky to even get a nom. That sucks. It does suck. I would be really glad if he did, Hey, though. listen, I'd be happy if he won. I think that he... The movie... He to his film to each actor's respective film of the ones I've seen he is the least replaceable. You right. could not put another guy in this movie. You would have to change the whole movie to fit Which any they other guy. Did yeah, exactly five times. Yeah, so a lot of the credit <laughs> does go to Safdie's. As with any good acting, a lot of credit goes to good directing. But God damn, is he good? I, I have that this oh at least. God. I have that this at least gets nominations for the all of the editing and. All the technical stuff. I bet it. I bet it will hardly get anything. This movie, it's it's a technical like masterpiece. Like that. I mean, this what, movie. What else is A twenty four gonna push? Uh, this, I think they're gonna push this. The farewell. Yeah, kind of. Maybe some farewell. The buzz. laundromat. <laughs> That's Netflix. That's Netflix. Uh, yeah. What else is A twenty four? Because Midsummer is pretty much out at this point. Yeah, they're not gonna push Midsummer. That one. Yeah. I mean, I Listen, I think it's got to be this. I hope to God that it gets recognition. This is such such a good movie. It reminded me of what good movies are. Yeah. Um. So I mean, think about like halfway through the year where we were at. It's absolutely it was dark. This is the like I've never experienced anything like this in terms of any form <laughs> yeah. of media in a year. Like it's it is onslaught in dude, like a matter of it's kind a of month and, and now a half. I've now look at like my top seven movies this year and I'm like, oh, this might be like the best top seven of any movie yeah. year this decade. <laughs> yeah. Like it's insane how top and, heavy th- and how late in the year that's come. But we've just gotten so many incredible movies. And uh, I I would imagine a big part of the reason why is studios are getting more savvy about when to release their movies to get awards attention. Yeah. Um, but the it could backfire because it could be too much too late. It can be, yeah. Some movies, they just come too close. Like Phantom Thread was just too close to yeah. the Oscars. And but that was a nice surprise that it even yeah, exactly. got in there. I know. and But it could have, you know, if it had come out like a couple months earlier. But I think like like October, November, December is, is just... Oh, it's been uh, nuts. Man. Another it's thing so that great. is uh, that's kind of going to help uh, a twenty four push this is their other movie that was supposed to be an awards movie was Waves. Waves. Yeah, and fortunately for that movie, amazing movie, but nobody is no splash it. for waves. No splash for waves. <laughs> the lighthouse. Maybe? You could say it's not making ripples. <laughs> <laughs> the lighthouse is going to come in strong at the last minute. It's going to be like. Fully decked out for the White House. They're gonna air the broadcast in black and white. Robert Eggers gonna direct the them. Golden Oscar is gonna be a mermaid. Well, so this is why I was thinking about this movie draft because uh, maybe four, maybe all five of the top five people you would pick are have been a twenty four people, if not yeah. are, still are. Because you take Eggers, you take Safdie, Greta Gerwig, you, you take Greta Ari Gerwig. Aster, you take Greta Gerwig. I mean, goddamn, they have their finger on the pulse. No one since literally Weinstein yeah. in the nineties has I had mean, his finger on the wait pulse like this. Until you see Little Women, like that woman is on another. And she probably won't be nominated because she's a woman. Oh, jeez, dude, we got clear space for Todd Phillips. Any last? <laughs> 
Fuck me. Any last thoughts on Uncut Gems, boys? Um, the Joker has a mental illness. Uh, and if you really pay attention to this movie, you can see that. It's, re- it's hidden in there. But he's actually mentally ill. Um, after this, I hope that a lot of people take some good <laughs> lessons from Howard Ratner and they develop that their own gambling addictions, much like me. I might. I'm, hey, get into sports. When I saw that man put $160,000 in a purse and swing it. Oh, my it God. No, we didn't even window. talk about like that whole ending. Where do we think that this movie ends? Because they shoot them. Do we think that Julie escapes? Do we think yes. that they just she gets in the Is she limo. like the one that like actually yeah, has Julie like a makes, happily ever after? Off. Absolutely. Or do you think that they're just like that she's dumb enough to go back to the apartment where they're waiting for and then they just mm. kill her and take the money? They might, they actually might because they make a point to show the other mafia guy in the casino. Did they kill Howard's family? Because at one point he has to tell this family, like, hey, Leave. go over there. Yeah. Like, there's a gas leak at the house. Uh. I, I honestly, I thought it was perfect where the movie ended. No, I did too. That I, it didn't I, give us anything else because, boom, Howard's life is over. That means the movie's And over. then it zooms in through his eyeball and we yeah. get, like, the whole... Into extraterrestrial the cosmos. cosmos scene again. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, another Love great it. theme between Good Time and this movie is that uh, shitty people transcend class because yeah. good. You know, this movie is basically Good Time but rich. Right. Like Howard is a very very rich man, and he st- is the exact same type of guy as uh, Bob Patty. Yeah. Those apartments, man. Like holy shit, you gotta have a ton of money to um, afford yeah, that. Yeah, that's a million. Hey, he's a million at least in well, New York. Yeah, yeah, and to have that mansion. This movie. In, like, I right also I love how accurate it is to Long Island people. Like Adina Menzel is such a Long Island person that oh, it's yeah. it's incredible. Um, Long Island. We Jewish love them. family. All right, Josh and Benny. Well, call me. I hope your gems were as uncut as ours. I guess, although, you know what? This is a movie about a lot of Jewish people in here. So I guess you could say those gems are actually cut. That's a circumcision joke. Circumcised gems. Where are my Mm. circumcised boys at? You know, there's a dirty version of this movie called Gems Uncut. If you're... If you're <laughs> circumcised, please email in at webottomike at gmail.com. We can compare pics. Mm-hmm. See if your circumcision mic. is as botched as mine is. Yeah. Do you I feel during sex? Because I don't feel anything down there. Tweet at us with your uh, maybe not safe for work uh, pictures. Twitter probably won't take him. Josh down. and Benny, send us, no, send us those hogs. Just put a little MAGA hat on your penis, yeah. and then they won't get taken. Yeah, down. just DM it's him true. to the president, <laughs> and then he'll tweet it out. And then Fox News will show it to all its uh, viewers, just and they'll like, be like, a "Wow, penis I should, cowboy!" Should probably go check out Uncut Gems <laughs> yeah. in theaters now. Uh, yeah, have a happy New Year, happy 2020. Um, look forward to our. Listomania extravaganza coming at you fast. I think next week we're doing best movies of the decade. Mm. Does that sound good? I got some cramming oh, to do. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched any movies prior to us doing this podcast. Oh, okay. The first movie I saw was in 2017. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Is that, that when movies started? Yeah. Okay. Bruce B. Bear was the first movie. Good. Yeah. Bruce <laughs> B. Bear was the first movie ever made. <laughs> All right. We love you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.